in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Apparently, Jalen Brunson is going to be a New York Nick. Uh... Mark Stein reported yesterday there's a growing resignation in Dallas that the Knicks are indeed Brunson's top choice and his inevitable destination. The Knicks traded away Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks to the Pistons yesterday to clear $19 million in cap space. There have been reports that uh, Jalen Brunson is going to get a four-year deal worth $110 million. Um, it's nice to have your dad as an assistant. Yeah, who is this most confusing for? Dallas, the Knicks, or Jalen Brunson? Confusing in terms of giving him that much money? Well, yeah, like who who do you think is is I mean make is is the loser? I'll phrase that. Who's the loser if he ends up signing with the Knicks for 110 million? Maybe Dallas, because with Chris Wood now and Luca, I think that would have been a nice trifecta. Um and they're gonna have to replace him. Uh I don't I mean he's not the loser for the the player's not the loser. Um, with that much money, and you know the Knicks again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Dallas is. I'm gonna say Dallas is the loser. It can't be I, the player. I don't understand it from like anybody's point of view. Like I guess maybe a little from Dallas if this guy just wants to be in the with the Knicks. There's maybe nothing you can do. But like from Jalen Brunson's perspective. I get. I guess it depends on how much he could have gotten out of Dallas. But is it worth going to the Knicks, a team that is not going to be in contention, when you could have played with Luka and you're going to – I mean, nobody thinks the Mavericks are winning the title next year, but you'd be in contention. Is that worth it from Jalen Brunson? And then from the Knicks' standpoint, the hell does Jalen Brunson do for you? Like, are they even – are they a playoff team? Like, are they a first-round exit team? Are they a play-in team? Like – Jalen Brunson's not that good that he's no. going to change. We your, said it. We said it during South. the playoffs. He wasn't a two, and yet he had to be the two for Dallas. Yeah. Um, I'd like to know what Dallas would have paid him, though. Yeah, I think that's the that's sort of the important detail. Like, if because my thing from Jalen Brunson's perspective, if Dallas was willing to give you as much money as the Knicks were, then I think he's making a mistake. Now, his dad's in uh, with the Knicks. Wait, whatever it's Madison Square Garden I mean I don't know maybe that's what he's attracted to but I personally would have been more attracted to staying and playing with Luca just because that team would have been good Chris Mannix tweeted out yesterday that the Knicks are promising Brunson will be a full-time point guard and with Luca in Dallas even if Brunson was the starting point guard right Luca handles the Luca handles the ball so I guess there's maybe a role thing there but if Jalen Brunson's idea is hey I want to have the ball in my hands He's literally never going to make the playoffs because he's not good yeah, enough. Yeah, I think it's more about the guy. money. I, I so, like I said, if if it's what did he? What's he getting? One hundred eleven million? Yeah, like it's four I mean, one ten. I think was the report yesterday. You know, if Dallas lowballed that, I mean, he's probably taking the he's probably taking the most money. Yeah, and I think that makes him somewhere around like the thirty fifth or fortieth uh, highest paid player in the league, which doesn't, by the way, doesn't seem ridiculous. Jalen Brunson, 35th to 40th highest paid player. Like he might not be top 40 overall, but he's close enough that it's not absurd to think he's among the top right. 40 highest paid players. So it's not a crazy, like it's not an obs- insane amount of money, but it is probably 
a slight overpay for the Knicks, and maybe that's what it took to actually get him. I just don't know why the Knicks would overpay for Jalen Brunson when they're they're it's not like he doesn't change much for them. Like, oh, instead of being the eight seed, you're the seven seed. Like maybe that's what he changes for him. That's a great, great question. The Washington Commanders have paid Terry McLaurin a three-year deal with $71 million in new money. He'll make $23 million per year. That would be the seventh highest paid wide receiver if you go by average uh, yearly salary. Great uh, deal. The Washington, yeah, the Washington Commanders, they decided not to trade their wide right. receiver. Green Bay, Kansas City, Tennessee all did. Washington decided to keep him, hmm. sign him to an extension. So it's another example of half the teams in this league think, yep, we got to pay our wide receivers. The other half say, nope, we can't pay them. We'll just draft another guy. It's another win for the Washington Commanders. Is it? No, I just literally am like, this might be. <laughs> this, like, no, no. Hey, this is hey. the first time I've heard of them in a long time doing something football. Right. Well, I was going to say it might be a win. <laughs> Right, no, I was going to say, my. it wasn't about you saying it was a win. It was you saying another win. I was like, where oh, was the yes. first one? Yeah, yeah fair, fair enough. Where's the last one they had? I was I so desperate that. to make the joke, I just literally shot words out of my mouth. It's a great deal for him. <laughs> Next question. Till he sues them. Gonzaga and Michigan State will play on an aircraft carrier, according to John Rothstein. This will be in San Diego. This will be on Veterans Day. Does this game actually get played, or does it get canceled because it's too damn no. windy and Listen, nobody can shoot? If you took the chance to, if you if you went ahead and signed the contract, you had to know that there was an, uh, you know, there was a um, possibility that you get thirty mile an hour winds coming off that uh, coming off that water. So that's on you. Like I said, just uh, I I remember the San Diego State Syracuse one, and that was hilarious to watch. Not only is it hard to shoot, yeah, trifecta. San Diego State can't shoot. Uh, they're playing against the best zone in college basketball, and there was wind. So those shots were absolutely hilarious. Seeing seeing that play out, I mean, if if you can't shoot, don't go play on a on a boat. I mean, I mean it, was, it was like that was, that was the craziest decision. It probably sounded good when you you know when you heard it, and then you got out there for warm ups. So this wasn't a good the, decision. The veterans are like, this isn't what we wanted. No. Like if you go like go back in time ten years and you're like, hey, you want to play a basketball game on an aircraft carrier? That's so that sounds cool. That's like, yeah, who? That sounds really awesome. You want to play a base or a basketball game outside of a baseball park? Like, yeah, that sounds cool. But now we've seen them, and like it feels like every time they play these games, some have gotten canceled because of weather. Some have just been awful games because of the wind. Like it seems like we should know better by now than to do this. Yeah, like, find a place with a roof and go play there. You can get on. You can get on military bases, which they do all the time, and play and play indoors. Yeah. And I mean, you know, do that. I think that would almost be a better thing than. All right, we're on an aircraft carrier. The ball. Oh, the ball's gone. Oh yeah, it's, it's in the gone. It's in the water. What do you mean we only brought one? Yeah. Do they have like arenas that seat like five thousand people on military bases? Because that would be cool if you played. Hey, we're here in whatever military. Well, how base, many they can seat? 5, I don't know. There's 5,000 troops I mean, that are here to watch I mean, the game. Like That would be a cool atmosphere. They've played games on military bases. How many seats they have, I have no idea. But that is actually, like you said, you see the you see the servicemen there, servicemen and servicewomen there cheering them on, and they're indoors. Like that. That's really cool. 
the aircraft carriers, you're, you're overthinking the room. I, it sounds cool, but in, in it's, practice, in reality, it's not. it's not. I will say that pretty sure the Army Corps of Engineers once built a hospital in like eight hours, like a full functioning has an emergency room hospital. If you went, hey, we need an arena. We're on it. We got that. Next question. The Aces play the Seattle Storm tonight. Tina Charles is expected to make her Seattle debut. The Storm now have four number one overall picks on the roster. Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, and now Tina Charles. Um, By the way, Tina Charles was with the Phoenix Mercury. They just mutually agreed to end her contract, and so she became a free agent. Strange, which is bizarre. There was a report, I think it was with uh, Winsider, that said she wanted more touches and more shots, and she was like, uh, she was averaging seventeen a game with Phoenix. It's not like she wasn't a part of the offense. She was taking a ton of shots, like fourteen a game, but she apparently wanted to be more involved. And they were like, okay, we'll just terminate your contract. And now she's with Seattle. I'd like to see that with like an NBA star. Halfway through the year. You know what? I'm not getting enough touches. Yeah. We'll just end your contract. You can go be a free agent. But like, it, I I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. Isn't she like one of their top scorers? And you go look and it's like, yeah, she yeah. scored. If she was like scoring eight a game and getting six shots, you might be like, oh, okay. But she's scoring 17 and getting like 15 shots a game. Like, that's not how many more is she going to? She's probably going to get less in Seattle. Like, Brianna Stewart's there. I don't want Tina Charles shooting, but <laughs> Brianna Stewart can shoot. Man, you know, that's a great question. The Hornets hired Steve Clifford to be their head coach. And the fascinating part about this, they fired Steve yes. Clifford four years ago in 2018. And now they're bringing him back to be the head coach again. I mean... I don't know what Jordan's doing. He's 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 supposedly well loved by the players, and everyone loves him. And the whole defensive minded coach and in, in, uh, Steve Clifford, but he gets turned down by the uh, Warriors assistant, and then I think he met with D'Antoni, which again, D'Antonio's kind of lack of a better word, a retread. But to go back to a guy you fired four years ago, is this uh, Bruce Cassidy with uh, Georgie McPhee? Many many years later. Oh. Except that was like two decades. Well, yeah, it was a long, it was a long, long time ago. But you know, you did fire the guy. This is this is what Steve, so Steve Clifford fired in Charlotte after the seventeen eighteen season. He then became the Magic head coach, and here's what Steve Clifford did: forty two and forty first round loss, thirty three and forty first round loss, twenty one and fifty one missed the playoffs. Like Steve Clifford didn't like. I don't know what happened in three years that the the. Uh, Charlotte looked around and said, "Oh, he's better than when we fired him. We got to bring." How him bad back is now. that? That that's that's what you end up with. There's no there's no one else out there. There's no one else out there that can be a head coach or that uh, might, might deserve a shot at it. Apparently not. Not allowed. I'm out. Serena Williams lost in the yeah. first round of Wimbledon. Lost the third set tiebreaker to Harmony Tan, who was making her Wimbledon debut. Ranked 115th in the world. It was also Serena's first match in just about a year uh, as she has been out of tennis. Are, how disappointed are you that Serena is out the first round? Of oh, I'm, to I wanted to more. see her go far. I thought it would be a great story. I thought it would be actually really cool if she went very far. She hadn't played I, in a long time. Yeah, I did too. It would have been great to see Serena go far, but I can't help but feel bad for Harmony Tan, the girl that beat her, because she beats Serena Williams 
It's her first ever game, her first ever Wimbledon match, first ever Wimbledon win, and like everybody's upset that she won. <laughs> like nobody is happy that she won. So I kind of feel bad for Harmony Tan because this is that's gonna be that one of the best moments of her life, and everybody's like, ah, how could you beat Serena? That wasn't very nice of you. I wanted her to go. Forty years old now. Um, then afterwards, she says, "I don't know what I'm gonna do. Who knows where I'll pop up." I'd like her to keep playing if she wants to, but they, yeah. how how cool would it have been if she got to like the second week of Wimbledon? Oh. Oh, I mean, yeah, talking, yeah, you come back basically a year off and you come back. And, yeah, I mean, she's already like, what, the greatest athlete of all time? Like she's had more accomplishments in her sport than maybe anybody yes. ever. 23 and, grand yeah, slams. If she came back at 40 and was like, yeah, in the semis or something, that'd be, that would have been incredible. Like we would have enjoyed that. But now we get to yell at Harmony Tan for accidentally beating her. Is there so, a better athlete all time? Because I don't, I'm not, I don't think so. Uh, probably not. I mean, she's been as dominant in her sport as oh, anybody, anybody has ever been. Like, yeah. it's it's incredible what she's been able to do. I mean, Lance Armstrong, pretty good run. Did he have a good run, Jared? Seven. He won seven. And then All when right. they tried to give it to the people who came in second, turned out they were blood doping too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Coming up next, we'll jump back into some UNLV basketball because Kevin Kruger recruiting a high schooler. Hi, uh, Ray Longman with the New York Times for Pat and Brooks. Uh, so there's been a lot of complaint from politicians, some club members who've resigned, the 9-11 survivors, about uh, Saudi involvement in, in golf and whether the, the golfers should be participating in this. Do you have any concerns that about that you know, you're being supported by a country with really bad human rights? No. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Who is that, Jared? That, uh, that would be Pat Perez, Brooks Kepka, and uh, one other person being asked about whether or not they feel bad for the 9-11 victims. If... Uh... If you are going to play in this tournament and get asked that question or this tour and get asked that question, I think that's the right way to answer it is to just say no and move on. Right. Because any way to justify it, you're going to come off sounding worse than right. you are for just playing in it. I, I honestly think like if I was their PR director, that's what I would tell them. Just, just one say word, no, no. Step out. Yep. That's what I think I would do. Oh, and it sounds cold, but it's better than them trying to justify playing for a Saudi Arabian uh, backed league because there's no justification to answer that question the right way. Well, okay, so I cut it short because of... Oh, they did answer it? Oh, yeah, okay. they went on for another 40 seconds. Nope. We All can right. get to they that later it. in the nope, show. we don't need it. Nope, they blew it. They blew it. <laughs> All right, uh, we have some UNLV basketball news. Kevin Kruger joined the show earlier. You can go back and listen to that at lvsportsnetwork.com. But Mike Ramala reporting that uh, Kevin Kruger, his number one priority is DJ Thomas. DJ Thomas... Uh, goes to Liberty High School here in Vegas. Four-star top 100 player, but he's in the class of 2024. So it wouldn't be on the team this year, wouldn't be on the team the next season, because that's the class of 2023. But the following season is where DJ Thomas is. According to Mike Story, uh, Kevin Kruger called him on the first day contact was allowed with the class of 2023. Plus, Kevin Kruger and all of his assistants went to see him play in arizona dj thomas said it's a great feeling to know that a school wants me so much knowing that a school loves the way you play and the kind of person you are 
It's just a good feeling. My main question on this, Ed, is Kevin Kruger has taken two high school recruits since becoming head coach. Keyshawn Gilbert, who was sort of a holdover from Otzelberger's class when he left, and then Keyshawn Hall is in this current Mm -hmm. incoming group of players. He has kind of ignored the high school recruiting element of college basketball, but for him to be this involved on a kid two years out, does that tell you, A, Kevin Kruger is going to change his roster-building philosophy, or B, he just thinks DJ Thomas is that good? I think it's more the latter because I think in today's Porter world, it's just too enticing to get guys who are older and from Power 5 schools like they've done. Uh, this guy is probably that good. He's a, he's a local kid. You have to you have to if he's that good and he's local, you have to go after him hard. I mean, I don't know if they're going to get him. Some big time schools have offered the kid, but his dad did play at UNLV, so there's connections there. Um, played for Tark, I believe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the kid's probably that good and he's local. But no, if you're asking me next year if Kevin's not in the portal again, I wouldn't believe that at all. I think you're in the portal. <laughs> I think you're in the portal every year, right? I think I think yeah, that's what. 2022 is except for very few programs in this country who can still get the top high school players when they want them. I mean, a majority 90, whatever percent are in the portal every year. Yeah. So I I've laid this out before, but this would sort of be my order of operations. If I was a college basketball coach right now, if I could land a high school recruit, that was, that was like a star, like we're talking top 50 type of player then I'm, I'm always going to take that kid. I'm never going to say no to like a five-star or a top 50 type of player. Like I, those freshmen, absolutely, I am going to go after. After that group, though, I don't think I'd be that interested in recruiting like, oh, he's the 181st best player in the country. I would go from those, hey, you're a top 50 player, to, okay, who's in the transfer portal, right? And how do I build my roster out of the transfer portal? Those would be my main two avenues. And if I can't land top 50 guys, which, you know, happens for UNLV, then I'm going all portal. And then after the port, after I've, you know, gotten everything I can get out of the portal, if I still have roster spots, I'll go back to the high school players that are, you know, a three star or a two star ranked, you know, 207th or 318th in the, in their recruiting class. I'll go back to those players then because I can get, usually a better player than that out of the transfer portal. And I have more information on players in the transfer portal because they've spent a year at division one basketball. So I think this is the sort of right order of operations. If they identify DJ Thomas, who's, I think he's in the top 50 even uh, of the 2024 class. And they think that guy is a star. That guy is going to be really good right away. Then you, you take the time, you take the effort to chase him and then, you hope you get them, but if you don't, your fallback plan is always going to be the transfer It's always going to be the and portal. Then, and then your safety net is, oh, we have a couple more roster spots, and there are some three-star kids that haven't gone anywhere, so we're going to go land right. some of those. But I think this is sort of the right approach to it if you're Kevin Kruger and UNLV. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that. I think you have to, like I'll go back to my original point, he's local. Um, uh, now, even if he wasn't, they might still be going after him this hard. But... Uh, We'll see what happens in terms of the other offers, though. You've got UCLA, Houston, Florida are among the schools to offer them scholarships. I think LSU did. I think Washington State did. So they're going to have to battle some people. But there's there's a relationship there with his dad and the school. Um, you know, it's obvious already he knows how much they want them. It's a long way away, though. And, you know, his his ranking can go up even higher, right? I mean, he could 
he could improve that over the summer. Right. Yeah. And he could be a five star. Who knows? I mean, they they could improve his rankings and his and his recruiting um, stars uh, even before he commits. So it's a long way away. But I don't. I mean, I think this is an this is an automatic kid you recruit right away. Yeah, I, I think you you are recruiting him. The interesting part is the way Mike Gramala reported it. First call that Kevin Kruger made was to him, and they sent all of their assistants and Kruger to go to Arizona, watch, watch like that that is them that's not just oh we're recruiting him that is this team saying oh we want him he is the you're the number now. one priority right and that is it it's very similar and you know you hope it has a different outcome but it's very similar to tj otzelberger and zayon yes Collins, i was just right? gonna say zayon collins that was yeah. tj otzelberger got here and that was apparently the yep. first kid he started recruiting to unlv yes. was zayon he wanted zayon collins he thought zayon collins was going to be the key to this program. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen, right? We know why. But that's sort of what it reminded me of, is they picked out a guy and said, that's going to be our star player. The interesting part, though, is that he's still two years away. Like, this is right. still a, this this, is a this long is a, recruiting process. Right. This is a long-term situation. And not to be, you know, just bad news over here, but, like, in all seriousness... Is Kevin Kruger the head coach of UNLV in 2024-2025? I think he is. I would guess, yes, but UNLV hasn't had a coach last that long since Dave Rice. Like, they have gone through coaches much quicker than when DJ Thomas will actually be here. So that is, a, I think, a legitimate thing. Not that coaches shouldn't be recruiting into the future, but it's a legitimate thing with college basketball. Yeah, are you actually going to be here that long? Because a lot of guys aren't. UNLV has been very similar to hockey where guys get replaced every two and a half three years yeah time for you to, to get out mccrimmon man. now the ad oh kelly mccrimmon is athletic is the athletic director, director? Oh, oh man man, wouldn't that be fun that would be awesome lindy larock well you only went to the first round <laughs> come on you won the See conference championship but you only went to the first round your three best players tore their acl and you didn't win the national championship what you're fired get out of here that's that'd be fun That'd be a fun thing to do. So there is Kevin Kruger recruiting a high school player, which is something they haven't done since he has been here. They've they've hit the transfer portal, and I don't think they're necessarily wrong for that. I think the easiest way to build a competitive team right away is to do it out of the transfer portal. Hey, here's some breaking news. Lon Kruger yeah, selected to the National yeah. Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame class yes. for 2022. Kevin's father. Good Look for him. That. Good for Lon. Where's- Where's the waiting period? Don't, why don't I have to wait seven years like our athletes do? <laughs> I actually like no waiting period. If he's good enough, put him in. My God, if he's good enough, put the guy in. I 100% agree. Why, why is The waiting, waiting period is the dumbest thing around. So Gronk retires, uh, we'll see in five years. Yeah, okay. Right. Maybe it, the best tight it, end ever. Is it for people that unretire very quickly? Like Brady? Yeah. Or guys that sit out maybe then, a year and then I come mean, back? I guess if you have to, make it a year then. But five years? It's ridiculous. Brady's going to wait five years to go in the Hall of Fame whenever he whenever he retires for good. Might not make it, Ed. You don't know. Oh, you don't the, know how people votes. will vote. Yep. All right. Coming up next, Jason Fetz joins the show. Obviously, when you're playing football, there's 11 guys on each side of the ball. And um, when you have a player that that's a little uh, superhuman, like I'll call Max, or a player that's very talented, sometimes you have to put two people on him. And uh, when you do the math... You can't double team everyone. Right. Uh, so knowing that that knowing Max is one of those guys play one of those players that demands double teams. He demands that respect. Uh, 
I thought about that. I said, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm one of those players that demands double teams. They have 11 guys. We have 11 guys. <laughs> they don't have enough to double team, both right. of us. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Jason Fitz. Good morning, Jason. How hey, Jason. And nobody's double teaming me for anything other than to keep me away from cake at the buffet line. But I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment. He's not wrong. It's going to create a tremendous challenge for every team. Um, more important than that, would you need a double team to eat this thing you just retweeted about a massive <laughs> Cheez-It in Taco Bell's new big Cheez-It tostada? I mean, we're going to – I'm – Filling in today on Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, hanging out with Freddie Coleman. And, and when I got to the producer and, and Stosh and I was talking to him about what we have to talk about today and all the other stuff, I was like, dude, where are we getting in the 16-inch Cheez-It? Like, that to me, like, when you start talking about foods that need to be supersized, I mean, especially foods that, you know, I've made commercials for that I have uh, endorsement deals with, yeah, we're going to talk about Cheez-It today, believe me. It's just in the spirit of cake. Like, all I keep thinking about is how, like, when I was a kid, somebody made a cake. It was like a one-layer thing. It was a big deal. Now you walk into a place and it's like, dead by chocolate, 18-layer cake. Like, this is just the equivalent of that. And I'll take more of a good thing, more cheese it You had yesterday, I can't believe, 25 years ago today since the bite fight, speaking of eating, when Tyson munched on uh, Holyfield's oh, ear. Speaking of eating. said, uh, Spain and Fitz wants to know what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten. What, what were some of the answers? What was your answer? Well, I had I had two answers for me, but they both came from the same spot in Kumamoto, Japan, when I was on tour, uh, and I, we were playing in this little country like festival, country music festival down in really, really like random part of Japan. And I walk in, we had somebody from the embassy to help translate, and I walked into a sushi place, and and I tried to order sushi, and the guy pointed at the like tank, so I I was like, yeah, and I nodded, and he took that fish out of that tank, and like one fell swoop, bam. Chop that head off, and then all of a sudden, pop, 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 uh, cuts off all the meat, sticks a, a skewer through the still shivering carcass of this dead fish, flops the meat in it, and sets it down in front of me. That's how I ate sushi, which was, I love sushi, but that was a weird way to eat it. So then I asked the embassy person what the delicacy was in Kumamoto, Japan. Turns out it is raw horse. So I had raw horse in Kumamoto, like thinly sliced, like sort of like ceviche. It was raw horse. Wow, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not going to top that, but at the Beijing Olympics, I did have scorpion. Oh, that sounds awesome. Was it good? Chicken. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things where everything tastes like chicken. It was on a skewer as well. It was on a side side street, which, uh, you know, you just walk up and they've uh, kind of like a food truck. And instead of, uh, instead of hamburgers, they've got scorpion hanging out of there. So, uh, yeah, it was at the Olympics. I said, yeah. And I was doing blogging every day. So I said, what, what's a better blog than us eating a scorpion? No, nothing. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a winner right there. We were we were in uh, Australia for a few shows at one point, and you know the first day we were at one of those compounds where you get to play with koalas and kangaroos and do all that stuff, which was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And then the next day we were in Sydney, and so I sit down at the restaurant, and the the girl comes up to take our order, and I was like, "Well, I've never been here before. I'll never be here again, probably. So, what's the one thing that I should eat that I can't get anywhere else?" And she's like, "Well, a kangaroo burger." So I ate a kangaroo, but I felt weird about it because the day before I was intimidated by a kangaroo, and then that day <laughs> I was eating one. So you know, but but again, to your point, like it didn't really. I didn't walk away from it saying, "Wow, that tasted incredibly unique." It just sort of tasted like a burger. We have kangaroo farms here in Nevada. You can get kangaroo here. Just come on I, out. Well, I'll show that, you. That is that is wild to me. Like that's a, that's a change in Nevada from when I was a kid because nobody was eating <laughs> kangaroo in Nevada. I did eat reindeer also in Germany. Ooh. 
And nice. I, at the time, tweeted out, now we know what happens if you don't make the list to, to take Santa's place. And that was one Jeez. of the few times that they were like, hey, you should probably take that down. Like that, 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 <laughs> you know, we don't want people to think that the reindeer Poor that don't kids. make the, the song are, are off to the slaughterhouse. So, yeah, they were probably right about that. Uh, can you eat raw horse meat? Like, that's okay? Yeah, apparently. I mean, it didn't make me sick. They did warn me in Japan because mercury poisoning is a big thing, uh, you know, like we, we roll our eyes at it. But for a lot of people that go to Japan, they eat so much of the sushi and the fish is just a little different there. So it can make people really sick. And I laughed about that. But we were in Japan for like, I don't know, a week maybe. And by the end of the week, the girl from the embassy was like, yeah, you, you, you fat Jesus, you no more for you. And that was uh, <laughs> like that, that was I took that seriously. I, I it was the sushi that was going to make me sick. But yeah, the ceviche style, like it was very or, or carpaccio, like very uh, thinly sliced raw horse. It, it, was, it was fine. It didn't make me sick. Press box transition. Did we hit it? Uh, Press box transition. Uh, not a shock. Uh, Deshaun Watson's people are saying, you know what, we're going to ask for zero games, and you're going to look for Is this just them not wanting the indefinite suspension? Because that's a scary word for that side of things, indefinite. We don't know what that means for the NFL, but uh, not a shock they want zero. Is this just a starting point? Because there's no way it's going to be that. Yeah, I think this is what we have. Uh, we have to put, peel back and remember what the job of the NFLPA is. And um, J.P. Aaron Sibia, who played Major League Baseball, uh, is a buddy of mine. And I remember when he was playing, we were just shooting the shot one day about like life as a major leaguer. And he was saying that one of the toughest things at times is that everybody pays dues to a players association. That your job is to defend every player like, you know, their lives depend on it. And that can mean that you have somebody that's obviously guilty of something uh, being defended. And I think of that often, but especially in this situation, because the NFLPA, their job is to come in and defend everything in a way that maybe they don't feel good about, but it's what they have to do. So if you're the NFLPA, you come in and say, our job is to defend Deshaun Watson. The easiest way to defend Deshaun Watson is to try and turn it into a he said, she said case. So they come in and say, if it is a he said, she said case, then there's no way to find him guilty of anything. You must acquit, right? Which to me just feels disgusting and gross. Like, I, I understand. I think uh, I've said this on air a couple of times in the last few weeks. I, I believe, true, true to my core, that I understand fans more than any person in current media on a national level because it wasn't that long ago that I was yelling at my TV and my radio as a fan. Like, that's why I do what I do. And I sympathize genuinely. I empathize with Browns fans because they just want to have a great quarterback they can watch play. But you're going to have to justify at some point that either your quarterback was a predator, and that doesn't usually end, or your quarterback is just super creepy and super icky, and that's hard to root for. So, But super creepy, super icky is not suspendable, and that's going to be the PA's argument. I think the NFL comes in and says thunder of the gods because it also protects their reputation. So both sides, the PA and the NFL, are really protecting themselves in the way they're perceived by coming in and saying either zero games or indefinite. And I'm curious to see what the, the middle ground is because it, it sure feels to me like if this isn't worthy of a long suspension, if you're the NFL, if this isn't worthy of a long suspension, given they feel they have evidence that proves some of these claims, then what is? My God. So they have to be as hard as they, they can possibly be. Is the middle ground one full season without that indefinite tag, or is the middle ground even less than that? I think the NFLPA, if you inject a truth there, minimum, would say that the middle ground is six or eight games. I, I, you know, and for anyone that says he didn't play last year, that wasn't part of the suspension and he was paid, right? So, like, none of that counts. So I think the PA is looking at it saying half a season would be, you know, a catastrophic suspension, a full season. But 
as Mary Kay Cabot pointed out on radio with me last night, we live in a world where the NFL suspended Calvin Ridley for a year for betting on games when he wasn't actually active on the roster because of injury. How can you suspend somebody a year for betting on games and then turn around and, and give somebody six games, for example, for everything that Deshaun Watson's been accused of? Because if he is guilty enough to be found uh, at a punishable level, now how do you say, like, either he's innocent or he's guilty in your eyes? In your eyes. And if he's innocent, then I see where the NFLPA is coming from. If he's guilty, then I certainly don't see how you could possibly say, well, he's guilty, but he's only six games guilty. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Is the indefinite tag merely because they think more people will come forward? Yeah, I think the indefinite tag is just their way of protecting themselves. If they say a year and indefinite, then if anybody else over the course of the next year comes in and says anything, then they could just keep extending and extending and extending. And that's that's real for the NFL. It's the smartest. When I heard an indefinite minimum of a year, I actually nodded my head for once in approval of the NFL saying, that makes sense. All right, I've got a question for you before we let you go. You're going to get some money, but you can never oh, watch God. a certain oh, sport this again. Is great. Uh, would you take $100,000, but you can never watch Major League Baseball again, or $500,000, never watch the NHL, or a million dollars, never watch the NBA, or $5 million and never watch the NFL? Uh, there's no sport that I have to watch in my mind for my pure enjoyment other than the NFL. There's no way. I would love to say that if you offered me $5 million, I would never watch the Raiders again, but it's like a drug for me. There's no way. Like I'd sneak <laughs> it in the middle of the night thinking nobody saw it, and then all of a sudden I get busted and lose everything. Every other equation you gave me, I love hockey. I, I genuinely love hockey, but for half a million dollars, bye-bye. For a million dollars to not watch the NBA, heck. I, joke's on you. I'd have probably taken half that to not watch the NBA. I mean, it's like the NBA is not an interesting product until we get to the playoffs, which is part of the problem of the entire sport. So every other equation you gave me there, I would have taken the money, run, and laugh that, uh, that I would have done it for less. But, you know, I mean, frankly, if you gave me ten grand and told me I didn't have to ever watch a Major League Baseball game again, I'd probably be in for that. You know, I mean, that's just a different mindset on fandom. But $5 million for the – no. Uh, there's no I, there's no amount of money because I don't think like the minute I read that the Raiders are headed to the Super Bowl, there's no way I'd have the shakes the whole time. <laughs> oh, Jason, wrong answer. But wrong you could... answer. It's obviously the NFL. No, I you... went I went with hockey as well. I went with hockey went as with well. Hockey. But Tyler did bring up a good point. With five million dollars, you could buy your own USFL team. No, well, that's not a bad idea. You know, uh, look, and and you and your best friends would be more people than watched most of last season in the USFL. So you could just you can put like we could go to the game and then we could call that a win. We've now eclipsed the attendance for what they did in Birmingham. Well, he is Jason Fitz with ESPN. Jason, as always, Thanks, we buddy. appreciate it. You guys have a great week. Thanks, Thanks you too. Oh, you guys love the NFL too much. Every <laughs> single one of you. It's ridiculous. I love that I mean, everyone's answering hockey. I well, okay. See, hockey again. I, mean, I have Jason been, answered all three. To be yes, fair. that's true. <laughs> actually, Ten thousand for baseball. I would be willing to give up the NBA and hockey if I got both as like a combined credit. Because so you made one point five. Yeah, you could take all three of them. You're still only getting one point six, and I've got five. Oh, yeah. now you give okay. you give a. Uh, you give her one point six. I would be I mean, willing. Uh, let's see. What if you give her five? Ed? She'll have she'll have your five in about two days. <laughs> so, I'm trying to think of this. Can we invert it where it's like you have to give up 
I can't give up my liver because no one will want it, but like a kidney. I'd be willing to give up a kidney to continue to watch the NFL for the rest of my life. Oh, my God. Wow. You guys are ridiculous. Well, okay, I, ask I, that, I started ask that at question. liver. Ask that question, and I will uh, backtrack on my answer. <laughs> on, 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 they gave on you parts two, that we have Ed. To give up. Oh, man. All right, coming up next, we'll get a little bit into Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. We went there, and we actually put on a hell of a showing. You know, to be honest, I feel like we might be the hottest thing smoking on in the NFL on Sunday. So I feel like we, you know, bound to have a hell of a season. The best thing about it is we didn't been there before, and we know how to get there. So we just got to stick to the basics in one week at a time. And that's what's going to happen. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. What does hottest team smoking mean? I, I I don't know. I thought it was just a fun thing to say. So I was like, okay, Joe Mixon, you're going on the show. <laughs> right. He's talking about the Bengals. And, like, I, I think he just somehow messed up some sort of cliche or something like that because hot normally smoking is a bad thing. Yeah, if your car is smoking. Right. That is <laughs> – you are not it's going not, fast. Right. I, I'm going to have to find him. He's on my fantasy team. I'm going to have to find him know, <laughs> for, for, for bad quotes. For bad quotes. All right. Deshaun Watson news with his hearing with the NFL started yesterday. Uh, I don't know if they're underway again yet today or not, but uh, we've had some reports, some leaks here. Initially, we got the NFL was going to push or ask for a year-long suspension plus an indefinite tag, meaning he wouldn't necessarily be back after that one-year suspension. It could be longer. Josina Anderson reported yesterday that Deshaun Watson's team is expected to counter with a request for a zero game. Well, what a suspension. shot. What a shot. And then we also had a report uh that the NFL would be happy to accept a 6 to 8 game suspension for Deshaun Watson if that ends up being the midpoint basically where they meet with a whatever bargaining goes on here for Deshaun Watson's suspension. What do you think uh, actually happens here? I don't know why the NFL is considering 6-8 and meeting in the middle. Who has the leverage here? I agree. I, I, mean, don't, I, I un- don't understand why they would agree to that when they can suspend him for the indefinite and the year. I don't. Why, why are they coming to the middle on this? What if you come to the middle and, like we've been saying, three or four more women come forward and you've given them six to eight games? I, From a punishment standpoint, I think the public disappointment will be extremely high if Deshaun Watson plays a game oh, yeah. this season. I, if, if Watson is not suspended for one entire year, I think that's going to be one of the sort of um, worst looks that the NFL can have in terms of punishing players and whatever. The... The public attention on Deshaun Watson is as high as it probably has ever been on a player in this in you know trouble for off field stuff. Sure, and if he walks out of this and it's a six or seven or eight game suspension and he's playing in week nine or whatever, I I feel like that's going to be a massive public loss for the NFL. That if I have to imagine the NFL is going to do everything they can to at least get the one year. If they don't get the in, I they don't get the indefinite part, okay. But if you they they almost I feel like they have to walk away from this with Deshaun Watson suspended for one year or it's a complete 
failure by the end. Put it of the this way: if if they go six to eight, Deshaun Watson's going in a back room uh, with his lawyer, and they're high fiving and throwing a party oh, that night. It, I mean, I, literally, if he's here yeah. in one year and indefinite, whatever whatever that could mean. If this guy gets six to eight. Now, he'll come out and say, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't deserve that, and I'm unhappy, and I, I have to wait eight games to play. But behind the scenes, they're, they're high-fiving. Yeah, that, that would be a massive win for Deshaun Watson. I mean, you, you're playing right now this season as opposed yeah. to the, the potential of having sat out last year. And sit out two straight years, if not whatever more. Whatever reason, yeah, and then not play again. Like that, I don't know, I just, if it's six to eight, we're going to be looking around saying, what exactly happened here? Like, uh, like how, how did this end up on six to eight and not a full season because of the public attention on Deshaun Watson? So, I mean, Ugh. do you know, I don't actually know this. Do you know how this process plays out with their hearings? Like, well, I it's don't, not, I don't know if it, they'll come out like tomorrow with an, with a, an announcement. Right. Like, but do they, do they have to like agree on it or is there just a third party that says this is what it is? You mean like an arbitrator? Yeah, like I don't know exactly how what these hearings are, how they act. Like I thought the, the NFL ran outcome? the hearing. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So and sometimes they don't take notes. Right. Well, yeah, it happens. But like I'm under the impression the NFL has most. I of think the, power. the yeah they have the most power. It's their league. Okay. That's why so, I'm thinking six to eight. Why would you come down to the middle on that if you don't have to? Yeah. So I I mean, if you're the NFL PA, like what what's even your leverage to say no? It can't be a year. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what they would even... I, I can understand how they could argue against the indefinite part because, hey, yeah, give us in, a timeline. I but, just I think the indefinite part's a hard a hard sell. Even, again, it's the NFL. If they have all the power, they can do whatever they want. I just can't believe it's not going to be a year. Yeah. I, I can't and, believe it's not going to be one year. And I don't know what exactly the argument would be from the NFLPA for that not to be a full year I, I don't know what that would be for hey six to eight games is perfect i guess jason fitz said the that watson can try to make this into hearsay because there's no criminal charges sure. or whatever but we know what happened we've got a ton of evidence as to what happened so it's got to be a year